You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Mida Flores, her congresswoman, District 34, is with me right now, along with special guest, former congresswoman, Tulsi Gabbard. And I need to say more about Tulsi. It's like, former congresswoman, you said eight years, right, Tulsi? Yes. All right. Decorated veteran. And, of course, former presidential candidate. And of late... You forgot the most important part. Former Democrat. From Hawaii. <laughs> from Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. How's the weather? Yeah. How does the weather here compared to Hawaii, it, by it, You know, I don't have to wear a coat here, so I'm very happy. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. It's great. We're all pushing in the same direction, trying to get our congressman back to Washington, D.C. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I yeah. mean... Yeah, we've been working very hard nonstop, but South Texas is worth fighting for. Yeah. Our, our kids' future is worth fighting for, and I'm very grateful to Tulsi for believing in us, for coming here to South Texas and, and joining us in this fight that is all about you know God, family, and country, and wanting to bring better opportunities to South Texas. I've told you this before. So wonderful to see folks up in D.C., up in Austin, waking up to the change down here and supporting Word Counts which is, you know, the campaign donations, the signs, the advertising, getting your message out there so that our conservative culture in South Texas understand there's a choice. They don't have to blindly go, like, with everybody else, all the sheep, to the slaughter. Let, let's, let's just go with a new direction and preserve our values, vote our values. And that's the, that's the messaging that we, we want to get across. And, and I would imagine, Tulsi, with your parting ways with the Democrat Party recently, I was reminded of what Ronald Reagan said long ago. I didn't leave the Democrat Party. They left me. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of Democrats across the country uh, who feel exactly that way, who feel the yeah. same way that I do, that, you know, this party that was once, um, you know, the party of JFK, the party of Dr. Martin Luther King, the party of by and for the people has completely lost its way. It's now controlled by these radical so-called woke ideologues who who actually stand against the fundamental freedoms that uh, make us who we are as Americans and make this country great. And so, you know, I, I'm so excited to be here for Maida to support her and her leadership because she really represents that vision that our founders had for this country, that we would, as people, choose leaders to represent us and be our voice, all of us, not just people of one party or another, but people who lead with a servant's heart and who will listen to our needs and go to Washington, D.C. and fight for us. Yours is obviously a servant's heart, and I can see, just reading a little bit about your history and how your dad was a public servant for so many years, and you in the military, and I find out recently that your rank, what was that, like lieutenant colonel? I'm actually still in the Army Reserves. I'm a lieutenant colonel, and uh, I'm hoping... I should have saluted on the way in. (laughs) My goodness. We can do push-ups after if you want. You're like a, you're like a psyop pro, right? No, I'm, I'm actually amazing. civil affairs. Okay, uh, which which are also known as the warrior diplomats of of the military. Um, really looking to try to see how we can better understand each other and how we can uh, de-escalate conflict and and actually prevent war if we can. Former Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard in the studio with our Congresswoman from Cameron County, Brownsville, and a little sliver of Hidalgo County, Maida Flores, joining us here in the KURV newsroom. And we're all pushing in the same direction to get our Congresswoman Maida Flores reelected. Well, back to you, Tulsi. Some of the unifying similar values that you represent, that you uphold, that you know, bring you here to the studio to, to push for Maida. What are some of yeah. the uni- unifying values? You know, she talks about faith and family uh, and the appreciation that she has for the, our God-given rights and freedoms enshrined in the Constitution. And to me, those are the foundations. That's where when we spoke on the phone, I reached out to her. And, you know, of course, I had seen her election, her historic election, and I was so excited for her. I'd never met her, talked to her, nothing. I saw her and I was like, wow, that is awesome and amazing and I hope I get to meet her one day and um, and that was where we connected is like Washington obviously I served there for eight years unfortunately we have leaders of both parties who are um, motivated by selfish ambition how do I get more power how do I maintain my title and position and too many of them have forgotten where they come from and they've most importantly forgotten who they who sent them there to serve and, and that's what I see in Maida. You know, we, we sat down, had a, had a chance to talk this morning. And um, just in the short time that she's been there, she's already displayed 
the kind of courage that we need in our leaders where she's not just going with the flow and what people tell her to do. She is her own person. She thinks for herself. And when the tough votes come, she's calling back to the district. She's calling community leaders and saying, hey, tell me what you feel. Tell me how, how this will impact you and, and our community. And, and I think that's, that's exactly the kind of leader uh, that we need more of in Washington. It's Tulsi Gabbard here in the studio. Kay, you are here along with my congresswoman, Maida <laughs> Flores. And like Donald Trump said, you know, he called it the swamp for a reason because it's stagnant. It's the same viejitos, the same old people especially on the Democrat Party, white, old people. Same we need fresh blood. 30, absolutely. We, we, gotta, <laughs> we need a new flow of water. Got to you know, get all the old water out, get some fresh ideas and fresh water in there. And the right people. Absolutely. The right people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, not enough. it's not enough just to get new people in uh, who represent those same old corrupt values. Yeah. It's, it's really getting the right people in, like Maida, who's, who's stepping up as a call, answering the call to serve. Maida for Democrats, working people right now that by tradition and just they don't have the luxury you are in it full-time now and in broadcasting we see you know from this eagle's perch all the information and all the issues the loyal listeners tend to be more informed than the average radio listening bear for working people who tend every now and then and listening to Maida flores congresswoman they might see you on the ballot why Maida? should these democrats why should they vote for you Maida? well unlike my opponent i want to put the american people first not the government And I'm not only campaigning, I'm already a member of Congress, focused 100% on my constituents. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, I'm taking care of every single one of them in my district. And they're my top priority. The people that elected me, that put me in this position, that is who I serve. And they are my, again, my top priority. You know, we want to help other people, of course, but we have poverty. We have needs here in, in Texas 34. The people here in, in my district are struggling just like all Americans paying for their rent, their electricity. I mean, I met a single mom who said for the first time she had to get a loan to buy school supplies and, and school clothing for her children and now is paying 24% on that loan and doesn't know if she's going to be able to pay back that loan. These are the real issues that are impacting the American people and I'm focused 100% on the kitchen table issues. I don't care what's best Politically, I don't care what's best for the Republican Party or what's best for the Democrat Party. I care about what's best for the American people. So it's time that Democrats, Republicans, independents join this fight because this is about all of us. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's time to put us first. I think this this type of loyalty to political parties hurt us tremendously. Our loyalty should be with our faith in God, our families, and the, and the communities that we serve, but not to a political party. So I asked here, here. Texas 34... Yeah. You know, put your values first. Do not put God aside for no political party. Yeah. And as former chairman of the GOP down here for for four years, look, it, I'm not flag-waving for the Republican Party. I'm a conservative. I love my country. I want to preserve my country for my boys in the future. Amen. But that meme the other day I told you about, it said, please vote Republican, not because they're perfect, but because the other guys are lunatics. Absolutely <laughs> crazy right now. This is the first, this first visit to South Texas for, Yes, right? it is. All right. So, Tulsi has visited the border more than Joe Biden and her so-called border czar, <laughs> Kamala Harris. That's right. Thanks for stopping by. Are you going to get a border tour and do the whole border patrol we thing? Are. That's right. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I, I, I'm going to go with with Maida and her husband John. Yeah. And uh, what? Who? Who better? Who better to um, to go with and, and to listen to than than those yeah. who are on the front lines? Thanks for being here. Really, thank you for for stopping by. Appreciate Please vote, Maida. Maida Flores. Absolutely. Early voting ends on. Friday and election day is on November 8th. There you yeah. go. And for election results, tune in to KURV at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night. This is the Sergio Show. My guest now is Matthew Hathaway. He's an expert in protecting our computers, protecting our data. He's with True Fort, that is a leader in data protection. Matthew, I appreciate your time today. In protecting computers and data at schools, Matt, because of violence, on campus, you know, you vow the other. You know, I recall uh, we used to talk a lot more in, in recent months about cybersecurity at school, ransomware, some of the data at schools that was taken ransom, and some of these school districts had to pay Lord knows how, how many, possibly millions of dollars to get the, the data back. We've become more, constru- more concerned of late with hardening, you know, the physical campus, 
in place of the the online or internet campus. Have we made any significant inroads, though, through the years, recent years, with all this ransom stuff? Have we made any progress in protecting school data? I mean, it, it's definitely a case-by-case basis. Um, unfortunately, schools do have to consider this. Uh, it's just getting into the budget is always a challenge, and that's that's why they're a target. Um, there's never an assumption that they have a, a security team employed. They probably uh, haven't tested backing up their servers and, and, and all of these best practices. I would think it's probably, you know, my guess is parents and administrators would think it's it's more important to harden and physically protect the campus and maybe you know, we'll work on the computers later. But the information that is on these systems, could they, if taken hostage, could they cripple a school? That's normally what they do is they ransomware often it encrypts the data so you can't access it. Um, they they say if you pay the ransom, then they will give you a decryption key to access the data again. But unfortunately, they may come back another time even if you pay the ransom. So that's really why the, the backup process, um, segmenting the network so the important data is nowhere near the public Internet. These are these are the important uh, steps to take. What would you consider important data at the school, like payroll, the Social Security numbers of employees? I mean, I mean, this is all stuff that you can work from, you know, square one and and re-input, I, I suppose. I mean, if you shut down the computers, you might have to do without school for about a week, but I, I suppose you could get up, up and running again. Yeah, that's right. And that's why um, a backup and restore process is, is so important because – you can avoid paying the the ransomware if if those sort of pieces of data you mentioned are are separate and, and un, unavailable should somebody compromise from a phishing email somehow access the network in the first place. Data Protection Pro Matthew Hathaway, is there a fail-safe software available to these schools that will protect them? Uh, even when they have like a backup, I heard in, in another conversation I had with a data protection pro that the backups can also be compromised. The keys, the logins to those backups can also be compromised. Is there more of a, a more fail-safe, guaranteed um, software um, security system you can put into the, to the school computers to protect all that data? Yeah, under the concept of zero trust, um, it, it's really been pushed a lot in the security community. Uh, there's technology they call micro-segmentation, and that is by dividing up parts of your network so that so should someone get in, should they access the initial server, that the backup servers are completely separated from there, and they can't simply keep accessing more and more of your, of your network. Are there so any... They're kind of in a box in a way. Okay, well, that makes sense. But are there any tripwires or alarms that would tell the IT pros at schools, we got somebody snooping around, somebody that gained access to our data that shouldn't be here. Does something like that exist? Yes, yes. There's there's various technologies um, for, for detecting that and, and alarming the, the security team. Uh, often they, they look at if, if, a, if an account is being used in a new way um, because that's, that's probably the way they, they, they would get you is, you know, phishing a, an IT professional in the school district and taking their account and, and starting to access more and more servers looking for one that, that they can steal from. What's the price tag for upgrading something like this, would you say, Matt, for the entire school district? I know it's all depending on the size of the district, but, I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about you know, millions of dollars, I would imagine, right? In, in investment to get this thing done? Uh, it's definitely less than millions of dollars for most school districts um, because they're not going to have thousands and thousands of servers like a, like a bank would. Um, it, it's, it's something they could do for under a million dollars, um, but the, the, the difficult part is making sure they have the staff that can handle it and, and uh, maintain that's and where the expense would be when, right when detection happens yeah that's where the largest expense would be in having the hiring the proper nerds <laughs> to take care of all this right <laughs> that's right that's probably be the biggest expense right 
Thank you, Matt. Pleasure speaking with you. Call you again for any questions related to data protection. From True Fort is Matthew Hathaway. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. The name of the book Justice Corrupted How the Left Weaponized Our Legal System. Our Senator Ted Cruz joining me. He's author of this. Look, we hear examples of how the FBI clearly has been weaponized. DOJ, and they they continue to go, <laughs> for example, after Donald Trump. Uh, and, and we see all these flagrant abuses and unashamed. It's like they know they can get away with it. I just want to fix this, Senator. How do we, first of all, address some of the examples that, that you write about. How do we fix it, Senator? Well, look, you're, you're absolutely right, and it keeps getting worse. Uh, it, it really became a serious problem under Barack Obama. Uh, Barack Obama began politicizing the Department of Justice and the FBI and the IRS and the CIA and the intelligence community and turning them into weapons to target his political enemies. And this was something you'll remember before. Richard Nixon tried to do that. But at the time, the system largely worked. The system resisted being turned into a political weapon, and Nixon resigned in disgrace. Well, what Nixon tried to do, Obama succeeded in doing, and he went after the IRS, targeted and went after Tea Party groups, went after conservative groups, went after pro-life groups, went after pro-Israel groups. The the DOJ covered it up. Uh, They blocked prosecution. They refused to prosecute contempt of Congress. Well, Fast forward to Donald Trump becoming president. The book details a meeting on January 5th, 2017, 15 days before Trump is sworn in as president. It's a meeting in the Oval Office with Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and the head of the DOJ, the head of the FBI, and the head of the CIA. And they together agree to go after the incoming president, to to go after and try to take down Donald Trump personally and take down his agenda. And and what they did is they took hard partisans and burrowed them into senior positions at all of these agencies. And and during the next four years of Trump's presidency, they waged war from inside on the Trump presidency. And this walks the reader through through how that happened, what they did. And now under Joe Biden, it, it is metastasized fully. It is out and open. This is the most political Department of Justice we have ever seen. Merrick Garland has done more damage to the integrity of DOJ than any attorney general in history. And we now see FBI agents raiding the home of President Trump, Mar-a-Lago, first time in the history of this country. We now see FBI agents raiding pro-life activists at dawn, machine guns drawn, arresting them in front of their crying children. And the willingness of this Department of Justice, this FBI, to be turned into the political stormtroopers for the DNC, I think is a profound threat to our liberty. And the book, Justice Corrupted, explains exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it. And they're not done, Ted. Ted Cruz, our senator from Texas, his book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Weaponized Our Legal System, in the headlines on this day, is... Some GOP members and Republicans saying right after the election, the Justice Department is going after, they're going to press charges on Donald Trump. They're going after Donald Trump. It's like, I don't know, who are these GOP people that they're encouraging all this behind the scenes? Not all, not all folks at DOJ and FBI are bad people. I mean, what can we do to encourage people who see the abuse to come forward and point to all these, all these abuses? A lot we can do. 
Sure. There's a lot we can do. I can tell you, I hear regularly from prosecutors at DOJ and from FBI agents who are frustrated, who are whistleblowers, and, and they're frustrated. They, they love those institutions. I'm an alumnus of the Department of Justice, and the Department of Justice has a long, long history of being apolitical. Listen, I don't want a Republican Department of Justice. I don't want a Republican FBI. I don't want a Democrat DOJ or FBI. I want a Department of Justice and an FBI that enforces the law, regardless of your party. And, and, and I hear from whistleblowers all the time who see the agencies they love and respect being destroyed from within by these hard partisans consumed with hate. One of the things I discuss in, in the book Justice Corrupted is how in an effort to go after Donald Trump, a senior lawyer at the FBI fabricated a document, created a counterfeit document, and submitted it to a federal court in an effort to get a wiretap to go after Trump's campaign. He knew he was lying. He knew he was committing a fraud on the court. But the partisan hatred was so great that he was willing to lie. And this is a pattern over and over and over again. Now, you ask, what can we do about it? Well, a week from today, we've got Election Day. And Election Day, I think we're going to see not just a red wave. I think we're going to see a red tsunami. I've been saying for over a year, I believe South Texas is going to turn red. I think the Rio Grande Valley is going to elect three Republicans, Myra Flores, Monica De La Cruz, Cassie Garcia, all Latina. And, and, and that is going to be part of a large Republican majority that will retake the House. I think we'll retake the Senate. That means starting next year, you can expect vigorous oversight Good. of this administration. You can expect hearings on the Department of Justice, hearings on the FBI, hopefully with subpoenas and legal force shining a light on their abuse of power. That's a big first step. The second step is two years from now, we've got to win the White House, and we've got to clean out the hardcore partisans they burrowed into the senior career positions. It'd be nice in the future when, for example, during an investigation and the prosecution, attempted prosecution, it'd be nice that all these cases maybe can be moved out of D.C., out of Virginia. Let's go to some other federal jurisdiction to get an impartial jury. Because the swamp yeah. protects itself. We've already had two swings and misses, and I'm, I am convinced, heart of hearts, those juries are tainted. They're a bunch, bunch of leftists. That's all they are deep inside D.C. I don't know why Mr. Durham is pushing forward with prosecuting and using local juries for this. He Go to some other federal jurisdiction. Has anybody suggested this to him? I don't know if anyone has suggested it to him. There's, there's no doubt that a D.C. jury is very left-leaning, very Democrat. D.C. is a government town. A, a high percentage of the residents in D.C. work for the federal government, is overwhelmingly, typically in a given election, votes something like 90, 91% Democrat. Ridiculous. And the result of that, more often than not, is, is, is a two-tiered system of justice where they will convict Republicans of, of, of political crimes but, but exonerate Democrats because of partisan politics. And, and it is unfortunate. Look, I, I got to say, there needs to be real, real accountability. The people who have corrupted justice, need to be held to account. And, and, and Sergio, there are two things I believe that we should do next year when we have majorities right at the outset. Number one, we should impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the yes. Secretary of Homeland Security, who is responsible for an utter dereliction of duty, the chaos on the southern border. He made the decision to stop enforcing the law. We ought to impeach him and have an extended trial on the floor of the Senate laying out the facts of, of, of the children being assaulted, the women being sexually assaulted, the overdoses from drugs, the dead bodies abandoned on Texas farms and ranches, laying out the human tragedy that these zealots have put in place. And the second impeachment I believe we should do is of Merrick Garland. I think we should impeach Merrick Garland and have a trial on the floor of the Senate for his politicizing the Department of Justice and the FBI. I mean, this is an attorney general who wrote a formal memo to the FBI directing the FBI to target parents who exercise yeah. their First Amendment rights to speak up as school boards and to go after them effectively as domestic terrorists under the Patriot Act. And the FBI is doing that right now. That is a corruption of how the Justice Department is supposed to work. You know, not a single Democrat, I won't hold my breath because I'll pass out, not a single Democrat will join you in that effort. But at the very least, yep. we can get the audio 
the video, the picture, the record, so the American people, bit by bit, spoon-feeding them through the worthless corporate media, at least they'll be forced to look at it, assess it, report it, provide the video, provide the pictures, and we got the information that we need to run for the White House in, in 24. Look for his book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Weaponized Our Legal System, our Senator Ted Cruz. Thanks, amigo. Thank you. You can get the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books, and I think you'll find it interesting. I think you'll find it readable. It takes you behind the curtain, inside the room, to what's really going on. And it also gives you the tools when you're talking to your friends and neighbors about what's going on. You'll have the facts and the inside story. So please buy the book. I think you'll enjoy it, and I I think you'll learn a lot. Astros in how many games? Six. Okay, that's what I said, too. All right. Bless you, Ted. Be safe. Take care. Thanks, Sergio. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's not enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. It's already November, amigo, so here we go. Countdown to travel season. Thanksgiving, go see family. Christmas, New Year's, go see family. So I'm guessing this might be the perfect time to start that conversation with colleagues at work and family and figure out all the vacation and start booking those flights, trying to save some money. Ramiro Cerda, Mr. Ramiro Cerda. Ramiro Cerda is a travel expert. <laughs> Ramiro, where do you work, brother, day to day, and how do you help people book travel? Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been uh, it's been an awesome journey. I we like, we have a uh, our own travel uh, vacation home rentals, and then we also have our own uh, uh, vacation travel blog. Uh, so we help all of our followers and listeners and and our guests also with our vacation homes. But it's uh, we get to get to have their own travel experience within our vacation. But yeah, that's how we're able to connect with our audience nice. and connect with our uh, our clients. But that's kind of what we do on a regular basis. Where do folks <laughs> find you online, Ramiro? Where do folks find you online? Absolutely. So you can actually find us directly at the MVP.life or EscapeTravelClub.com. And that's where you'll find us all together and we'll be able to always assist and be able to help. Ballpark figure, Ramiro, the the travel, air travel, how much more expensive is it now compared to this time last year or most recent travel period, which peak of summer? Do you know, ballpark figure, how much more expensive it is going into Christmas, Thanksgiving? Actually, very good question actually um it is a little bit more uh, inflation actually has been hitting the travel market a little bit more mm-hmm. it's usually between uh we've been seeing between five to fifteen percent more expensive actually this year uh summer has been a rock solid month for us but at the same time summer is also taking a little bit of a dive just with travel um which is the uncertainty of international travel uh, with international inflation going on as well, but uh, it's been getting a little, it's not as uh, as difficult as people okay. think, and it's still very affordable to fly and even drive all over the place, depending on where you're going. Um, regional travel still high; our demand is very high, um, and a lot of people can still get some great deals out there, at, even at the last minute moment. Yeah, and yeah, twenty days out of. Masomeno's 20 days out from Thanksgiving, you know, 24, 26. But people start flying out like on the 19th yeah. and 20th. Uh, can people still get a really, really good deal if they book now, like ballpark figure 20, 21 days out of the Thanksgiving holiday? Uh, you can. You can, actually. Especially with regional travel. Uh, we're here based in Las Vegas, of course. Bienvenido. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, and, and you, as you know, Las Vegas has always been a destination city. But uh, same goes with taxes and all the way across the uh, the, the the front side. 
It, it's been awesome. You get some really great deals last minute. Orlando, Florida has some great de- deals as well. Um, and it's been, um, it's been great. You could always catch those last minute deals as long as you're flexible. That's the key. You have to be flexible. Uh, a lot, you can't be based on a loyal brand or even uh, uh, try to stick with a specific day because that's when they get you. Especially on uh, Thanksgiving Day, the day mm-hmm. day of or the day before, that's yeah. when it's going to get very difficult. But if you're tra- willing to travel on a Tuesday, Monday, or even Sunday coming back, oh, that's easy. Okay. That's great. Yeah. There's some great deals going on with Frontier, Spirit Airlines, uh, even Southwest. Uh, credit cards are doing their last-minute push. So, yes, travel is still definitely uh, – uh, you. I'm very confident you can still get some great deals out there. Yeah, from Vegas – uh, and just sidebar mention, uh, the number one destination point uh, for Vegas is the Rio Grande Valley through Allegiant. Uh, well, we love going to Vegas here in the Rio Grande Valley, <laughs> up, up to Vegas. Ramiro Cerda is a travel expert and trying to give us some advice uh, before the holiday season. Here it comes, amigo. I, I know our head is spinning. It's already November. It's like, wow, where'd the year go? But this is the time <laughs> to start booking, to start planning Thanksgiving and probably you meant at this point you could probably save if it could if you could figure it out with the, the gang at work uh, or your family uh, where to go man if you start booking now for Christmas or for New Year's man I think you oh. you'll be saving a lot of money right like forty five plus days out you yeah. hit it right off the bat Christmas is the perfect time uh, your window time for booking is amazing right now. Uh, you can, if you're flexible, like you said, Allegiant Airlines yeah. uh, has some great deals with your credit card with American Express Travel. Oh my God, they're 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 pulling out the the bells and whistles so you can get some really good deals. Yeah, and it's to their advantage, right? They want to go ahead and book the seats now. They want to see butts in the seats, all this, all the all those seats check marked. Uh, it's it, and that's why they're giving such great deals to get everything. Uh, filled up at the moment. Any other travel advice mm-hmm. you want to give folks before I let you go, Ramiro? <laughs> I appreciate it, and thank you for giving me the opportunity once again. But All right. I would always suggest people, especially checking into those regional flights, give themselves a little bit of a Google flight alert. Uh, that's one of my best tools, especially traveling regional. Um, they give you the best deals, the average price point, and uh, honestly, one of the best lifesavers for me uh, has been Google. Uh, and so I would suggest people to don't be afraid to put some alerts out there on your phone and uh, and start traveling again, and you'll, you'll find some really good deals around the area. Give me your website or your footprint on social media. Absolutely. Yeah, one more time. You can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you could always reach out to us direct uh, at the MVP.life or EscapeTravelClub.com, and that's where you'll find me. All right, pal. When's the last time somebody called you Ramiro? <laughs> I know somebody's called you. <laughs> oh, man, you get it all the time. Ramiro, Ramo, you get it. It's all good. <laughs> all right, Ram. It's a pleasure meeting you. You be safe, and I hope you have a wonderful November and December, and safe travels to you. Ramiro Cerda joining us from Vegas. This is the Sergio Show. From Coaching International, I welcome back CEO Randy Dewey. Before I start again, for folks that didn't hear hear our previous conversation, Randy, tell folks what you do for a living, Randy. Yes, I'm a CEO coach, so I help uh, a number of CEOs in different industries uh, around the world uh, with their businesses, uh, planning, helping with execution, and uh, obviously navigating the uh, troubled waters and the times that we find ourselves in. So you work with leadership in American industry and business. The conference board recently said that 98% of CEOs they spoke with, they're preparing for a U.S. recession. I guess you're hearing the same from your clients and folks you're working with, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt we're in a recession, whether they want to really technically call it or not. Uh, there's The signs are everywhere. Of course, the, the sign that everybody keeps defaulting to to say that we're not in one is the unemployment numbers, which are at record lows. Uh, that's set to change. You know, as, as we heard from Jerome Powell last month, the Fed chair, that you know, they're, they're expecting that to go up over time, which, you know, if we hit into the mid fours, that would be 
significant. I mean, it's a, it's one percent higher, but it's a million jobs. So it isn't uh, though we're going to skate uh, free and clear at these low levels of unemployment forever. That uh, that's set to change, but I don't think it's cause for panic. You know, that that's a, a natural ebb and flow as as we're working through a lot of the issues uh, economically uh, around the world, and that's uh, that's not a. A significant spike. If you think about 2020, we were we hit eight eight percent. So uh, this is actually still quite relatively quite low. Mm-hmm. And despite the strange, um, the setup that we have in the employment market with all the job openings that likely will disappear, I'm guessing all those job openings that they'll just probably put those back in the drawer. Uh, at some point, we do need to see the unemployment number go up. But how high? I mean, do you think we need to hit eight percent again, or? Would it be what six percent, seven percent? What do you? What does it need to be at so that that the Fed says, okay, now we can start lowering interest rates again and make mortgages and credit card per- purchases and bank loans cheaper again? Well, there's no doubt they're they're going to continue to try and cool off inflation, and their big levers are the borrowing rates. There, those will continue to climb as we start to see unemployment rates climbing as well. It's going to be a, a balance between those two things that is going to end up driving price stability, which then helps cool inflation. So, uh, normally that's going to be you know what will well, certainly what will unfold. You know, there's a lot of unusual things happening in the world. You know, with uh, Putin's war and other things that are going on, and some of the issues that were trying to clear up from from COVID and the supply chain. So those those issues will continue to uh, create some interesting dynamics. But I don't think we need to panic. You know, if it starts, you know, if unemployment rate starts topping over 5% and moving towards 6 then sure, maybe that would be a, a trigger that something has significantly changed. But my expectation is that we'll, we'll stay, we'll, we'll top four and we'll probably be mid fours and that will probably be what, what we hit in the 2023 likely. Um, but there's a, extraneous factors that can change all that. But as we sit today, uh, I don't believe there's cause for concern, but business needs to be planning. There's no doubt. Every every industry is um, impacted by a recession differently, um, and it's going to cause us to you know, sit back and really and anticipate the things that we need to do in the business, keep our borrowing base down as much as possible, um, whether we need to seek out equity or whatever. Um, those are types of questions and uh, decisions that need to be made by business, but communication and figuring out and, and planning is, is essential during this period of time. CEO Coach from Coaching International, Randy Dewey, he speaks with some of the top business decision makers in our country and, of course, parrots what the conference board said. And we go almost, if you round the number up to 100, 98%, that, not far. Uh, CEOs across the country expecting a recession in our country. Unemployment is one metric, but the key metric everybody's looking at will be inflation. So if we're at eight and a half, you know, north of eight for producers, for consumers, definitely between eight and nine for everybody. What does inflation need to be for the Fed to say, okay, now we can need to start stimulating the economy to get everybody back in there, but not too fast because then we don't want to create too much demand and increase inflation again. So what is the magic number in your mind, or what does CEO say that is the magic number for inflation year to year that we need to hit for things to be slowly back to normal, get back to normal? Well, it's a matter of momentum. You know, if we continue to climb north of 8%, starting making our way to double digits, that's going to cause, you know, greater reactions from the Fed. I, I think we're starting to see a slowing in the momentum of inflation, which is a great sign that maybe we've hit the peak here. Um, whether that plays out over time in 2023, you know, most recessions over the last 100 years, the 17 that we've seen, they last 18 months. So uh, we're a third of the way through this one, if you want to uh, <laughs> yeah. think about it in, in yeah. those terms. And so if we're starting to see that the momentum on inflation is starting to slow, then expectation is that we should start to see it decline. So um, I don't think we'll hit double digits, um, but I'm not a prophet. So, but at the point in time that we start to see it top over 8% and hit 9 then we can be even more concerned. But I think the Fed's doing a good job at having a balanced approach. We're not not—we're seeing the rate hikes, and that's essential. But, um, but they're not going crazy with the rate hikes at the moment. They're eking them up as they see, and they're watching and then making uh, balanced judgments on that point. So I think we'll start to see that cool off over the next two or three quarters, and then we can all breathe a sigh of relief that we're actually working our way through the recession. Randy, one of the numbers that sadly... I think could be addressed with better policy decision-making by the Biden administration, but it, 
there will be no chance whatsoever because of how Mr. Biden is married to the global change cult religion that it has to be now we got to go batteries now we got to hog tie u.s production and slow walk the profit the the permits all that everything that i hear from the oil patch okay the energy policy is not going to change energy price is likely to stay relatively speaking very expensive and even on the diesel side and the inventory for diesel, it's the the transport fuel that's going to the transport and delivery that's still going to be expensive and the prospect of bringing down inflation, at least the easy way, by relieving energy prices, that likely will not take place anytime soon. And that will linger. Uh, you know, what you said, all of 23, fine. 24, I would hope we would turn the corner if it truly is 18 months. But because of energy prices, I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, I don't see any change in thinking at the administration. I don't see any lowering, uh, increasing inventory and lowering of of fuel costs, especially on the diesel side, anytime soon. And that's got to play negatively into this entire effort to try to decrease inflation. Yeah, and unfortunately, oil's turned political and on even on the global stage. And as we've seen certain deals that are being struck between Russia and and, and some of the other other countries, it, it, it's cause for concern. So I, I wouldn't certainly want to be Joe Biden at this moment as you're sitting there facing oil reserves at uh, interesting levels. You got a very significant political pushing and pulling and NATO uh, implications. So there, there, it's a it's a very complex uh, process. But you're right, it, it, oil prices and uh, and the cost of the pump is uh, is going to be at high levels for quite some time until we work through this, uh, no doubt, 2024 and beyond. I certainly would expect to see much different uh, prices at the pump, but for the next uh, four or five quarters, I, I expect it will be yeah. in this yeah. roller coaster. All right. Randy, thank you. From Coaching International, Randy Dewey. This is The Sergio Show. KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. In medical news, a very popular term of late is triple-demic. It's the flu, it's COVID, RSV, and as we exited the COVID season, you know, people not washing their hands like before or covering up their sneeze and just not being as you know, thoughtful, hygienic as before, and of course, spreading all those germs and all those pathogens. Let me bring to the show author of Stop the Pain and the Six to Fix, Dr. Scott Hainan is my guest. Doc, where do you stand in all this? I don't know, I think this whole triple-demic thing is just, look, we're back to close to normal where we were before, you know, pre-pandemic where every season we'd had the flu and colds and, and all those things. Uh, do we obsess and, and clean everything and, and insist that people wear masks and wash their hands and do all that? Or just let people be, be exposed to pathogens like we were before and develop a, a more natural immunity season to season with all, all the germs, all the crud that's out there? Yeah, Sergio, uh, I'm going to tend to uh, go a little bit more with your line of thinking, but I, I, it needs a little explanation why. To understand what happened in COVID, you kind of got to go back and look pre-COVID. So if I look back at 2015-16, you know, the CDC reported around 23,000 deaths from flu, the regular old flu that goes around every year. And then the next year, it jumps. Watch this, in 2016-17, up to 38,000. Well, that's like a 60% increase. Then the next year, which was the year just right up to COVID, up to 61,200, so another 62. So we see this rampant on the rise of flu in general. So let's just forget COVID. 
we see this. So you got to start asking questions. Is it really because we're not washing our hands? I mean, we're doing the same things we've always done, yeah. and nobody changed. So we have to start looking at other things. So when you understand from a clinician standpoint, I tend to look at bodies, and I just like hard science. And hard science tells us that if you know you're you're having issues with bodies and immunity, then of course you're going to get sick from whatever it is, flu, COVID. We know it's not just COVID that's bothering people. It was flu too. So you can call it pandemic. And I'm not taking anything away from the effects of COVID. It's, it, is, it is a real thing, okay? But what I'm trying to say is we also know that there's plenty of studies that show that just, watch this, just regular natural vitamins that we can take Listen, I run cl clinical studies all day, and you cannot believe almost every case I have, they're low on the example of vitamin D, something as simple as vitamin D. Yes, sir. Okay, so instead of wearing masks, why don't we take some vitamin D? Vitamin D, uh, example, it, 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 it's, it's one of the biggest immune system modulators. We know studies clearly show it increases macrophages, which are little Pac-Man, that help destroy these diseases. It releases things called antimicrobial peptides, and those are just little things that your white and red blood cells do to be able to kill right. things like viruses, right? Well, you know, we don't call it – we shouldn't call it cold and flu season. We should call it a vitamin D deficiency syndrome hmm. because season because that's when the sun goes down. It, it changes at the angle of the earth, and we're just not getting enough vitamin D. So before I'd rather see somebody sit there and obsess, like you say, with washing hands and covering these masks, uh, why not do something like take vitamin C, take vitamin D, take zinc, take vitamin E, some pycnodules. We know just some basic nutrition gives you far more protection than trying to hide some disease. And right. these masks, let me just speak to it real quick. Again, hard size, not conspiracy theory. These little masks that people are wearing, uh, no offense, they're useless. If you can smell... Remember, the things just, if you walk through a food court at the mall and you can smell the food through your mask, then you're breathing everybody's germs because the molecules of the germs are much smaller than the things you're smelling from the food. Yeah. So, again, you know, uh, I'm with you on that, that thought. Do I think if you have COVID, uh, would it be appropriate maybe to wear a mask to keep from sneezing on everyone if you sneeze? Okay, I, I can get on board with you there if yeah. you have COVID, want to do that. Should we maybe not go to work if we have a fever? Yeah, I think that's a good idea for you know a, a few days. I think those are just normal things that we should be practicing anyway. Should we wash our hands normally before yes. meals and things? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think there's a normal hygiene. You know, should we stand there and sneeze on people? No. <laughs> so it yeah. maybe you know that's be, just be courteous. Yeah. And if we would just use common sense, Sergio, I think that these numbers, like you said, will build immunities, and I think our bodies will take care of them. Dr. Scott Hainan, uh, Healthy Living Pro, author of Stop the Pain, the Six to Fix. Yeah, we're back to a normal cadence as well as parents. My 10-year-old got away from me, and Mr. Man didn't wash his poopy hands and wound up with a tummy ache. I don't know what he ingested because he was eating pretzels and little pretzel dogs and things like that. And... After school, after school, he, he, he got some, and I'm convinced that's what he, he ingested, some some crud. And there you go. It reminded me of, you know, when pre-pandemic, my kids, every now and then they get like uh, strep or something like that. They swallow some bacteria. But anyway, we're, we're back to a normal cadence. I, I want to go back to the, the D3 thing that you were telling me. As you were telling me that, I went and got my bottle every single day, Doc. Uh, and this is from a personal friend of mine. Uh, I call him El Tio. He's also a Sanchez, uh, Dr. Sanchez. Uh, he says he takes 15K to 20K uh, IU. And he said, get on a cadence of 10K, he told me a long time ago. So for an average size man, let's say um, 200 pounds, six foot tall, um, what would you say on a daily basis, you know, healthy? 10K, 15K? Yeah. Well, yeah. Would yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and, and, and understand the reason why I'm saying this. Okay. I believe everyone should have their levels tested, but what I find <clears throat> is ten thousand a day, ten thousand international units brings that system up at a nice pace, and uh, you can do that sustained through the winter because that's when you're going to need it the most, yeah. and maybe cut that in half through the summer. But you should always keep your levels regulated. But listen. 
sometimes, in my opinion, people will get theirs, you know, anything above 30 is considered normal, and they'll get around 40 and think they're okay. Hmm. Well, I don't have time to go into that discussion today, but to make the genetic replication and all the other benefits you want from vitamin D, especially in flu season, you're going to need to keep that level right up just above 70. And oh, my so, goodness. So make sure <laughs> wow. that you're, you're keeping that up in my opinion, because that will help fulfill all of the immune requirements that you're looking for from that. But don't just take vitamin D. You know, with that vitamin D, also, I take five grams, you know, 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C every night with bioflavonoids. It needs to be with bioflavonoids because they have just as dramatic effect uh, on the immune system as the the C, and they work hand in hand. What's a bioflavonoid? What is it? Okay, bioflavonoid is a flavonoid is a substance in nature that kind of coexists with vitamin C in nature. You'll see them together with things. And so you'll get them from a lot of your berries are full oh, okay. of bioflavonoids and such. But when you marry those two together, which any health food store or online, you go to our website, whatever, you can find these vitamin C with bioflavonoids. And if you take those together, it's just it's like a magic mix. Those two really nice. work synonymous together to give a big punch to the immune system. What did you vitamin, say? Well, yeah. Vitamin C, because I do take a, and I, and when you were talking, I swallowed my ten ten k IU D three, and yes. and I and I, I was swallowing. I guess I, I missed how much vitamin C did you say in milligrams? I, I take five grams every night. Now here's the beautiful thing about vitamin C. If you think, well, maybe how do I know if I've had enough? Well, if your stool starts getting loose, then that's enough. You know, that means you're at toleration. Hmm. But if your stool's not it, uh, it, it, it loose and you're having normal stool, then you can go ahead and ramp it up. So like I said, I take 5,000 every night, and, hmm. but that's why I almost never get sick, you know, okay. because I take that. I take my vitamin D. Well, I take some zinc on a daily basis. Yes, sir. And it, of course, hey, all your major antioxidants. The vitamin C plus zinc, a uh, little fizzy thing, little tablet, um, has, yeah. a, has a thousand milligrams and has like, it says like, like almost 70%, like it has like two thirds of the zinc daily intake. And I complement that with D3 and all COVID season. I think I survived the entire COVID season because at the very beginning uh, doctors on the front lines and nurses would say, Serge, I'm taking this, I'm, I'm ramping it up. And while well, I did it on a daily basis, um, coming here to the radio station, Dr. Scott Hainan, uh, author of Stop the Pain, the six to fix. Where do folks find you? Where do folks find you, Doc? Yeah. Online. DrHanen.com. H-A-N-N-E-N. DrHanen.com. Thank you, Doc. Dr. Scott Hanen. Look for his book, Stop the Pain. This is The Sergio Show.